Hello and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. And I'm Daryl Othington. And every week we review a new streaming show or movie. Uh, but we actually have some news about that. We'll start off with the big news, at least for us, which is that... Some personal news, you might say. Some personal news. Yes. Mm. Some personal news. Original content is going independent of TechCrunch, which actually shouldn't mean too much for you, the listener, uh, like your subscription on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or whatever, that should... You shouldn't have to change anything. The one really obvious difference is because we're going to be doing all the watching and talking and editing in our free time, we're going to switch to once every two weeks. Um, but otherwise, I, I don't imagine any dramatic changes, at least at first. What do you guys think? No, I mean, eventually, we'll probably ask you all for money, and then you can just give us the money. That'll probably happen. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, we love original content as a podcast and also as a concept. We love those streaming things. We also love money. So, um, yeah, the money might be a thing in the future. But I don't think we'll do... It's not like you'll have to... You'll be... No one will be pay-gated for this. But uh, And the, the asking for money might come in the form of amazing sponsorships by the way you can email us at actually we, i don't think we, <laughs> this is the one that we haven't figured out yet but <laughs> i don't think they're shutting it down yet so if you you can still probably email us for a little while at original content at techcrunch.com uh we also have we have a url so eventually we have original content podcast.com nothing may exist there yet but but this, that's kind of fun but there'll be an email attached to that, and you can email sponsorship requests to that, uh, and we'll figure that out. But yeah. yeah, I mean, the main thing is just yeah, think, start thinking about giving us money. Um, again, <laughs> yeah. not because I mean to be a hundred percent clear, and and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. We're but, such but assholes think, right now. <laughs> without going into like a lot of like all the decision making that you know no one gives a shit about except for us. Um, I think we're doing this because we enjoy doing it. Uh, that said, it is going to be an investment of time. And so if uh, the only reason we'd really like even thinking about that stuff is because I think that'll allow us to continue doing it and to like yeah. devote the time to do a non-terrible job on it. And as Anthony mentioned, you know, um, twice weekly. And then if you apply Once every two money, weeks, not twice really weekly. Miss- Sorry, yes. But if you apply enough money, we could go to once a week or, t- or twice weekly, depending on... <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's good. We're going to talk in big numbers there. But I mean, one of the cool things, too, to get off the whole money conversation, because I'm sure you <laughs> listeners are loving that, um, you're just dying to hear what we have to say next, is that Anthony and Daryl and I have worked together for... A really long time. How long has it been, guys? My 10-year anniversary Nearly a decade, I would say. Yeah. And me and Anthony both joined around the same time. Yeah. Yeah, just like shortly after me. So we've been working together for a really long time. And obviously, we're colleagues who are happy to work together. But we've also become good friends. And I'm personally excited to just spend more time with you guys off off work, so to speak. I mean, we're still going to be working towards something. But feels a little bit more like a choice than an obligation so i like that yeah and i care about we're free to have fun we get to hang out yeah not that TechCrunch <laughs> has ever imposed many rules <laughs> on <minute>. us <laughs> in any way <laughs> shape or form but um 
Yeah. And and hopefully you guys, the listeners, really like it still and tell your friends and all that shit. But anyway. Yeah. The one other thing I would say my, my hope is that if we go into every two weeks, we can put a little bit more um, planning into each episode, which might mean more guests and um, yeah. more episodes where all of us have, you know, uh, done all, all, of the, all the viewing. I'm not going to promise we're going to do that every time because I think there's still going to be times where one of us or two of us are like, this is trash. I'm not going to spend 10 hours on this. But Ooh, is that a... That's a teaser for later <laughs> teaser. on. Shut up, Daryl. But I, I think that is one of the <laughs> one of the goals is, you know, this is still going to f- have a slightly off-the-cuff feel, but with maybe a little bit little bit more planning. That's, yeah. that's my goal for myself. And multimedia featurettes and... Um, uh, all musical episodes. Films. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. All of the above. Uh, well, let's talk about one little thing that I, I wanted to touch on, partly because it has been in the back of my head for a long time since uh, we started this podcast, I guess about four years ago now, which is kind of crazy to think wow. about. Yeah. Um, not quite That's four years, but almost four years. Hating and That's so much of our actual shared uh working and personal like relationships experience yeah. yeah 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 imagine just how many hours we've spent doing this it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> does it make you think like what is my life <laughs> i hope there's at least one listener who's spent who's like listened to to every episode and i'm so sorry for that um mm. yeah i think that listener is my sister but yeah <laughs> hey jack although i bet she didn't start listening until you became a host so that's true. I, I she didn't go I to the back late. of the archives. You guys don't really know this, but I had to beg and plead Daryl and Anthony to let me play with them, which is just. <laughs> so when Jordan says terrible. beg and plead, she means that it was all in her head. Because then we were like, Jordan, do you want to join? And then she <laughs> I mean, like, I yeah. literally mandated it. I was like, you will let me on this podcast, or there will be consequences. <laughs> <laughs> but so Daryl was the one who came up with the original content name and. Uh, which, you know, is a very fitting name for what we do. It's, you know, the term that most of the streaming services use for the new shit that they make. Um, mm-hmm. But and also it, our podcast is original content. Right. That's yeah. the that's the whole idea. It's like the double meaning. Right. But but it was meant to be poking fun a bit because they all like Netflix and everybody called it original content, I think. Mm. Yeah. And we'll get into it. But I think it's not a it's not a beloved term from creators. Right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I, I had I knew people who in general were a little bit cranky about the the term content as applied in this sort of broad way to movies, music, TV, books, everything. Um, and so this week, a Martin Scorsese uh, essay about uh, Fellini came out where <laughs> it opens with a long and this is kind of what everyone focused on rather than anything he had to say about Fellini. Which probably he loved, too. (laughs) 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 uh, Basically, he he does not like the term content. And what he says is, um, because it used to be, in his view, it used to be basically form versus content. And so, like, form is, like, the the structure, the the formal properties of a movie. Content is, like, what the movie is actually about or saying. Um, And then he says, content became a business term for all moving images, a David Lean movie, a cat video, a Super Bowl commercial, a superhero sequel, a series episode. Um, Then he talks about streaming. 
And he says, it has created a situation in which everything is presented to the viewer on a level playing field, which sounds democratic, but isn't. Then basically content has become the shorthand for all the things he dislikes about the internet and streaming, which given that that's what this podcast is about, I guess is fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you you know my take on him. So I, I would go both ways, right? Like I I I I when I was coming up with the term, I also don't love that content application, right? Like it's a broad strokes thing, and I think I don't think it's like we don't come from. I don't think any of us come from that world, like the business first world. I, you know, I I thought I wanted to be a poet. Growing up, as I think we've discussed many times on this, I thought that was a viable option for a future <laughs> career, which is absurd. But like, I studied philosophy, so yeah. So you know, we we're not like none of us are like, oh yeah, content. That's what we love to call our shit. Um, but on the other hand, come on, Scorsese, it's fine. Just let it be. Like your old ideas are dead. It's it's time to move on. <laughs> but. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's to me it's not I'm not like I don't have super strong feelings either way I think there it's good to just once in a while feel a little bit of like embarrassment is too strong word but just like a little bit yeah. a bit of hesitation of like I think when regret of applying that term or something yeah or? In this blanket way of like oh yeah we're all content creators now like how do the content how do the creators and content creators feel about this and I'm like hmm that feels like a little gross to use that term a little too broadly, but um, yeah, and using them together is is especially I bet you know it, it needles because it's like creator a thing that was very powerful at one time and creative right and then even creative though has is kind of like a term that the business world applies to people who are the weird people they bring in to do the art right <laughs> and then shuttle out again immediately after but. Uh, yeah. So, but that con- the contradiction in content creator is a little bit like it. De- it definitely annoys, and it makes you think of like. But on the other hand, like, and this is where I think there are valid criticisms on the other side. Like, even in that, the cat videos thing is, I would say, a bit dismissive, and probably, you know, like, what are Scorsese's opinions on uh, actual YouTube creators who like are doing real work and and put a lot of time and investment into things that they're making and TikTok too, right? Like he probably is rather dismissive of that f- format, I would imagine. Although I didn't read this article to be fair, but like I didn't read it at all. Like those are those de- deserve uh like fair criticism and appreciation and uh investigation in their own right, right? And just in the same way that F- Fellini does, I would say. It's Tied up in like I, I think like Scorsese and other directors and and you know he was talking about this with, with when he was like going on about superhero movies um, is that he's very interested in the idea of cinema as this sort of like exalted category and like cinema as as um, distinct from just sort of like random crap in movie theaters specifically uh, right uh, stuff that's just entertainment that's just a thrill ride which is how he or an amusement park ride is I think how he describes superhero movies and. I mean, I think that all these things have some validity to them, but I think there's this sort of old school thing of if I can categorize it, then I already know whether it's good or not. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's where it's like not helpful. Like, that, like I want to define cinema as 
all the stuff that I think is good and everything that's not cinema is the stuff that I don't care about. Um, and so in that sense, like, I understand his discomfort with the idea that uh, his movies and cat videos might be grouped together as content. But on the other hand, that is how people experience it is that, you know, that like it's all on screens and like that he's competing for attention, you know, with, with those cat videos. And maybe that's not ideal in some ways. Right. But I mean, certainly there are like short form um, videos that are, uh, I think, probably as good as any uh, Scorsese movie. And now those videos are mostly distributed on YouTube. So there's like nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's how do you measure it? Like labor in like emotional effect out. Like there's so many different ways. And I don't want to say that it's I also don't like painting everything of like an equal brush. I don't like that. But anyways, yeah, Jordan, sorry. That's okay. I'm just you guys are making me think. So I one, it feels like there's a a tremendous level of narcissism coming from this this kind of like uh, thesis or whatever, or this premise that's being Mm -hmm. presented. And to be fair, I don't think you can be an artist without some level of narcissism, normally like right. veiled in uh, self-loathing, you know, to be a great <laughs> one. Um, I think the, tr- the same thing is true f- on like the entrepreneurial side as well. Like I don't think you can be an entrepreneur or like a true like business-minded person without some level of narcissism. Um, and I could get how someone who is like, lived their life as an artist right and is like i am the ultimate artist could be bothered by the business side of things but i also feel like personally and maybe i should be hesitant to say this but like i feel like the art has been slowly drained from me over time probably mostly because i'm an incredibly competitive person and we live in a capitalist society so you start thinking about content you know Mm -hmm. as a business (laughs) um I also think that like, yes, there can be art that is made without the financial incentive that does well and is moving and compelling and, and does its job as art. But I also think that like very rarely the two things are separated, especially in the US yeah, where yeah. we do live in a capitalist society and whether you want them to or not, the, the business folks are going to get their hands on things. So it's like, I don't know. I think I think it's worth having appreciation for both both sides of the coin here. And I think it's short-sighted for any any of those two kind of parties to disregard the other. And if they yeah. can like function properly together, then that's like the best of both worlds for for the end consumer, right? Like if you can put the resources behind it and let the artists do their thing then that's going to create in many ways the best product so yeah but i think that's the tension that like they would take issue with right is that in the like the financial thing molds it so much that you end up with the superhero thing and it's not really of course yeah even if you it's not a perfect balance like i'm not saying we've figured out that harmony and i think that there are people there are organizations and communities and whatever that have a better balance between those two things than others, obviously, just like there's art that is better than others. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Like, but, but everything, everything that's put out and consumed, even if it's by like one person, if they get what they wanted out of it, then it's like worth it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
anyways, I just like, I, I just like I'm bothered. I'm bothered. Daryl, you and I talked about this on, on what is going to be a new podcast on TechCrunch, which I don't know that we've talked about publicly. So I'll just keep, leave it at that. <laughs> but like the fact that entrepreneurs sometimes start companies because they want to be an entrepreneur. Hmm. Like I'm also bothered by the the inverse of that, which is like the artist who's like I'm an artist and everything I do is art, and like I can't even understand why money has to factor into this equation. Like, right. Either side of that is really stupid, in my opinion, and you're not like zooming out to what the world is. Yeah, yeah. People who abhor it for the sake of like, you know, because they were taught that like they are incompatible is. It is difficult and it's and it's dogmatic right and it's like there's not really anything behind it beyond the dogma i would say so that is a problem and it i've been on both sides right because i did the thing where i was just sitting around with a stupid hat uh, reading poetry in a smoky bar with a bunch of other similar people this actually sounds great yeah it was real good uh you know and we were just like oh fuck capitalism the man blah blah you know like the dumbest shit possible and then uh, i've fallen so far the other side i mean but i (laughs) he's wearing a suit right now listeners yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) i've definitely i've done that though in the past i've done jobs where i wore a suit day day in day out and did nothing but wrote copy for decks you know like it was like Mm -hmm. the exact opposite and now i like to think i'm in a happy medium but I still definitely feel what Jordan feels where you like are are like, oh, is there room for the art anymore? Um, and I like to think in my most recent things, I've been swinging back in that direction and really enjoying the actual crafting of the, the stories as opposed to what I was doing before. But um, yeah, I, it's I don't know. I don't know how to productively achieve those tensions without pissing off one or the other and i think that you lose something i I would rather leave the tensions out there right i want the people who are crazy and who are just like i hate this shit because you you need them around as a balancing act and i don't necessarily want the other side though i don't think the pure (laughs) (laughs) well i think they're going to be around regardless of how we feel about it the sort of ultra capitalists so they don't necessarily need us to cheer them on that's true (laughs) i i'm just glad that my philosophy degree is finally coming in handy during an episode of original content like we're getting really really deep into the meta and i would say also that what we try to do on i think mostly sort of implicitly and unconsciously on the podcast is sort of wear both hats at once and and that's part of why i thought it'd be an interesting discussion it's just like especially when we talk more on the news side um we we sort of wear our business reporter hats a little bit more and then uh, you know, in the reviews, it's it's you know switching to uh, our like critic and fan hats, but mm-hmm. um, it's never entirely one or the other to either. I think, and and I, I hopefully mean, we enjoy creating this content, and then we will take your money. Yeah. For it, <laughs> exactly. Point. Back to the money exactly. point, which is the more important <laughs> point. Well, and that that illustrates, you know, that yeah, even this, which again, I I want to emphasize, like, I, if we never make any money from this, no, I that's fine. Don't yes. care. Like, um, <laughs> I care. but like that, that it's constrained by that, right? Like, we, we're making it in this context of where we're aware that if we want to be motivated to keep making it and do a good job on it, money would be a factor, and so. On a much, much, much larger scale, I don't think even Martin Scorsese can escape from that. Yeah. I mean, dude's probably, like, on a boat in, you know, the south of France right now. Like, That's right. I mean, 
in his like, case, hello. it's a little bit. It's like <laughs> you're, you're, you don't you're want any more money for your fucking movies. Fine, like yeah. And his stuff just maybe is it's like, oh, it's a nice dovetail that like what Scorsese happens to like creating. It perfectly lines up with things that make a lot of money for the people who back them. Right. Okay, let's go to Ted Lasso. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we're going to ever resolve this giving me anxiety, conversation. this conversation. <laughs> I don't know why. But all that is to say, don't get mad at the name of the thing, people who love art, because we also love art. And, and we know. Is, we know. We understand. Yeah. Or why. get mad. Express yourself. I don't care. Just keep yes. listening. Yeah, yeah, sure. So Ted Lasso is a show on Apple TV+. Plus. It actually premiered last summer, but we are catching up with it now, probably because I think we felt like we needed to pay a little more attention to what's happening on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, and we've been, he- at least I've been hearing good things about Ted Lasso. I knew very little about it except for Jason Sudeikis was in it and he plays a coach who was originally an American football coach and he's been recruited to coach a team that's, you know, what the rest of the world calls football. Um, and that, w- that was pretty much it. Uh, did you guys have high expectations going into it? Uh, I had my expectations. I mean, everybody, it was like basically universally lauded by everyone from my family to like people on Twitter to whatever. And I did. So I didn't want to watch it. I did not want to watch it at all. Um, I, I was suspicious of it, I guess. (laughs) What was the source of your suspicion? I just felt like. I, everything I had seen about it was like this doesn't look good or like anything that I want to watch. Like nothing that I saw leading up to it of the trailers or the re- reviews describing the summary. Anything was like that. None of the, none of that seemed like something I was interested in. And then everyone's saying, "But just watch it because it's good." I was just resistant because I tend to be resistant to that kind of advice when it only like usually I like that advice when it is mixed because. And, and like, you know, it comes from the recommendation comes from a few people whose opinions I really respect. And then there's like a handful of people who are also like, oh, I hated that. I'm like, oh, this is probably this is probably something I need to see. But when everyone is saying, hey, this is good, you should watch it. I'm like, there's a problem. Something's wrong here. So that's kind of how I felt about it. You're so broken as a man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's true. We're just getting it all out for this. (laughs) So I heard um, from a select group. I don't think that it's like widely spread among my network. Uh, So it was just like a small uh, cluster of people that are like, "Yeah, I really liked it." They're all kind of talking about it, and I like Jason Sudeikis and historically i've done pretty well with the apple tv plus shows that i've chosen to watch which are not to be clear it's not all of them um so i've been selective with my apple tv plus consumption Mm -hmm. and um so i just felt like we should give it a try and again anthony like you said i think that that in tandem with the fact that we haven't really done anything on atp (laughs) apple tv plus i can't say it over and over again um made me feel like maybe we should give it a shot and what do you think <sighs> i'm like scared to talk about it because i just feel like daryl's gonna like 
just tear us apart, tear let's, everything apart. Yeah, let's get into uh, it, please. But whatever. So I okay. Here's what I think. I don't think that it's perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But I did laugh watching it, and um, I think it has like a wholesome quality that is not often found in like sitcoms like this. That's not to say that it's like PG and that there's nothing like kind of um, crude about it because there are definitely some moments that are more adult, more adult humor, but it has this wholesome quality. And, and I will say also that I think we could have used like an episode before the pilot that that maybe hmm. um, grounded it. Like, so this coach leaves the U.S. where he is a D two football coach, American football coach for right. Wichita State, and goes to England to become a football club manager, and you're supposed to realize over the course of the show that the reason why he might have made this decision is because of who he is as a character. But like, I think you need more than that. Like, I think you need one more layer that like forces or pushes him into this, which isn't very well done in my opinion. Um, and so that was a little bit of a hang up for me. What worked well for me is that I think especially in that first episode, that's kind of the question that's hanging over it, that you cut basically straight from um, Rebecca, who is the new owner of the club, basically. She's gotten it in a divorce with her rich, um, philandering husband, and she says, okay, we're going to hire this American football coach. And then you basically cut to him. I think there's like a news broadcast and then you cut to him on the plane. And you're like, what the hell? Mm. Like, why would he do this? This, And it's clear that he knows nothing about yeah. football, yeah. Um, English football, global football, soccer. Um, and uh, then you get one answer in the, in the, in that, at the end of the first episode where you understand sort of the personal circumstances that, that led him there. And you also then, by that point, you understand why Rebecca wanted to hire him. And... I mean, they're both. What are the personal circumstances you're talking about? Are you talking about his family life? Yeah, his family yeah. life, exactly. Because I think that that's the opposite of a reason. Hmm. Like, I don't know about you guys, but okay, we could maybe, should we wait for spoilers for that? Yeah, because I think it is a little, it's sort of parceled out over the first episode. Okay, so okay well, think... we can wait then. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like that's a reason to not do this in, in my right. mind. Right. I mean, and that's part of what I'm getting at is that I think the the answer is not entirely satisfying, um, even though that's the answer they give. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, before I get to Daryl, I did like it a lot. And I was surprised because I don't care about sports in general. Um, I mean, not to say that I, I mean, I'm like casually interested, but I'm not somebody who like needs to see sports movies and, and, and gets like a lot of inspiration from them or anything like that. It's much more like, meh, like, sure, I'll, I'll give it there. Uh, that sports are fine. Um, Rudy, and, you didn't, Rudy didn't inspire you. <laughs> I've never seen Rudy. I think I just <laughs> oh, skip wow. most anything. Anytime somebody's like, oh, this is a really inspirational sports movie, I'll be like, no, thanks. Hmm. Um, That's lame. I love inspirational sports stuff or non inspirational sports stuff. I love sports stuff. In, in in a way, this this is essentially like a five hour inspirational sports movie. Um, what about basketball? 
I haven't seen this. All, all I've seen is like the, <laughs> a few mediocre to decent tennis movies. Basically, I've seen Wimbledon. I've seen The mm. Battle of the Sexes. Oh my god, Wimbledon is not even an inspirational sports movie. It's a rom com that takes place. I'm a lot more interested in romance. Fever than Pitch. In also good. And it's just, you know, happens to be during Fever sports. Fever Pitch. What the <laughs> hell? You guys suck. But I mean, I think it sort of follows, this sort of follows that template because it's like this guy who everyone underestimates and then he you know proves them wrong and it climaxes in a game where everything's at stake um and it's executed reasonably well and and jordan you were also talking about how wholesome it is and i think you're right that it's not that the content is uh, to use that word again um uh. they don't have sort of like more risque jokes but it's that ted himself is such a wholesome character who just is never um you know never never like angry or i mean very 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 occasionally but and and to the point you know that it really stands out when he is anything other than incredibly cheerful and wholesome and right resilient uh you you met you use content in the right way by the way just so you you use content in the scorsese approved way as opposed to form but also, like, even Ted's, I, it, it, I think it's rare today to get a, a good belly laugh out of something that is, like, so G-rated. And so much of the writing around Ted and his dialogue, to me, was pretty funny. And, you, I mean, my, my grandma could watch it with me not the the entire we show got some, they went a little bit of, blue in a couple of first episodes and i was like well this is more than i was expecting but there's just some kind of one-off lines and jokes and things. well i meant i meant that my grandma could watch all of ted's dialogue only mm. oh and yeah feel yeah, yeah. and she would laugh and she would think it was funny and cute like those that's that's some good comedic writing that is just like wholesome you know it's like dad humor slash like kind of quick-witted like I don't know. It's like punny, quippy stuff that that made me laugh. And it's the kind of thing where he says something and you're like, oh, (laughs) that's funny. Like you go back a second and really listen and digest what he just said. And you're like, oh, that's clever and funny. I like it. All right, Daryl, hit us. Yeah. Uh, It's just a crap. Right on the parade. It's a crap show. Real bad. I was hoping you'd you'd have like an outline of reasons why it's bad. Other oh, than I just see. Like, You're looking for that. part of me, yeah, because part <laughs> of me feels like sometimes you just get in a mood. Yeah, I don't. Like so, you okay. haven't hated on anything in so long that you're just like, oh, I got to work out some of this. No. Some of this negative energy. That's not what this is, but let's not, let's, uh, so th- the preface I had was, should be considered, right? That I was already sort of like suspicious of this program. Um, so it's not like I came into it without any expectations whatsoever, but it was, but, but like, because of the recommendations, I also had this thing where I was like, well, I think it's going to surpass that. Like, it's not going to, but it made up to them perfectly. Like it was like, like the first episode I watched and you know, it's a pilot, so whatever, but it was painful. And I was just like, at the end of it, I was like that was terrible i never wished to watch anywhere that and then i forced myself to watch another episode because i was like okay i guess my well maybe it gets better but then it was like oh it's the same shit this guy and it's also difficult for me because i actually really like jason sudeikis and i like him in just about everything he's ever been in and i hate him in this i it's like i don't want this person around i don't think that this character is 
redeemable or worthy of uh, respect or praise or at all. Like he's, it was like watching. What did I think it was like? Oh, I had a good comparison. So it's like a hatred for Ted Lasso that well, drives it's your like, hatred for the show across the board. Well, the show is, centers him and and is based entirely on him and also like makes him a, oh you know it was so the comparison that came up was emily in paris right it was essentially like look at this fucking idiot american who goes over to this country knows nothing about it and then in this instance it was like oh what a what a delightfully naive but, but cheerful person it's like you know what i don't you don't get any points for being a stupid asshole but also being <laughs> unflappably kind like no sorry i'm sorry like oh make some effort you stupid fucking jerk like he the guy sucks and there's also no motivation whatsoever as you guys are saying for him to have done this beyond a lark which does actually seem in keeping with his idiotic character but i there's no reason for me to root for that why do i want to root for him what is what 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 the fuck like no i'm not gonna root for an uneducated privileged american asshole like it's just not uh no doesn't make any sense to me okay I mean, I, I think that I understand that. And I did have that intellectually thinking, like, why am I? And part of it is because he has this sort of almost stereotypical, you know, folksy American accent. Um, Which also and- drove me nuts. And <laughs> I, I was like, this isn't going to continue the entire show. Is this is put on? And then, it, no, it continues the whole show. Too. <laughs> right. Um, but... Uh, I think they they do mitigate, and and so the idea that you're supposed to sort of uh, cheer for this, as you said, this incredibly naive American who sort of bumbles his way into getting everyone to love him. uh, They make it a plot point that that he hasn't made any effort. (laughs) He has his coach friend who actually does, and and you know is a much more interesting and enjoyable and potentially relatable character, but who is basically reduced to. The beard guy over there. I mean, maybe they develop him later on in the show. I don't know because oh, I, I only watched the, two episodes. It's the beard. Uh, it's because <laughs> I have man a, with a I beard empathize has with been beards. reduced to a beard dude over there. I didn't like this mustache guy right. getting all the praise when the beard guy's right there. I mean, did you see the way he was oiling that thing up? It looked so good. <laughs> but I think that, and maybe this is because I, I watched the whole season, is that I think that I noticed that I, I, I liked ted the whole time i but i like understood the reservations and then i felt like they it, it's never that he really changed but they mitigated it over time because you see um to your point he makes more of an effort and that he has this sort of curiosity and effort to try to um you know to actually understand the team understand football he even like actually gives like a whole speech about like curiosity later in the season which i thought was one of the best moments of the show even though it's you can see it as being a little sort of silly and preachy, but like it totally worked for me. Um, and, and because I understand intellectually why that was a problem, but I got over it fairly quickly. And he, and I think he has, yeah, he has like a curiosity and a humility that I would argue that Emily in Paris does not. And so I was okay with it. Although maybe it was also just cause I really liked Jason Sudeikis. I also mm-hmm. like the idea that like from a premise standpoint, like conceptually, I like, that there is a story dedicated to the idea that like a coach could be an excellent coach without knowledge of a game right like that like 
his his attributes that make him a good coach, like a mentor to people that can bring them together and like unite them behind a goal, despite whatever adversary or diversity might like uh, you know get in in their adversity might get in their way. That was a weird slip. Uh, that like that could be a, a driving force because I do think that like there are so many aspects beyond like strategy that make coaches great. And, you know, I played sports my whole life and my, the very best coaches that I ever had were really good at like the way they motivated you, not mm-hmm. necessarily like the plays that you ran. And so I, I thought that as a concept was interesting. I can, I can understand why, it goes to the very extreme of that where he like literally has not tried to learn anything about England or about football or like he has consciously chosen not to do that. It feels like, which is frustrating a little bit, but it gets the main point across, which is that he's good at being a coach regardless of the sport or the strategy. Yeah. I'm not, I'm actually not really that, I, I'm not offended by his coaching abilities or his skill therein or there or, you know, or his, his, mo- I think those are actually good and they do. I also surprisingly played a lot of sports, um, not in university, not but all, all throughout the rest of it. But like, You're like six ten, right. It was mostly just that other people pointed at me and like, you large one, come play the sport. Oh, like, <laughs> big man. Okay. Um, but yeah, the the you know the, the best coach. I had a terrible soccer coach who was essentially the exact opposite of Ted Lasso, and that was the reason that I stopped playing soccer very early on. But I also had very good coaches in American football, in particular, who were similar to him and who I really enjoyed, and I felt like got good results out of the team. Right, so I that part I'm less concerned about. It's more just that like I don't know. It's more just that I have no need to see this on television. Like I. I like my television to be, I would say, one of two things, which is like nuanced I'm and to hear you defend like Love Island over this. No, this is what I am. I'm going to, but like, so I like TV that's like nuanced and difficult and intellectual, right? But like, is not going to be like this an unflappably feel good story. Like, it's not that I'm against feel good things. It's that like it's irritating to see it presented so blandly right and the the uh, and then the other side if i want indulgent content this is not what i'm gonna content again there it is using the bad way um this is not what i'm gonna go into like i'm gonna go into love island or i'm gonna go into i'm gonna go into something so egregiously over the top uh indulgent that it has no redeeming value it's a little too middle ground for you yeah i just this reminds me of the of daytime or not daytime of like the most popular um, primetime sitcoms, which also to me are worthless, like Big, Big Bang Theory or whatever. Like this, he might as well have said Bad Boom or whatever. You had to bring Big Bang into it. <laughs> it was. It is that. It's the, you had it's to. the. It's the prestige TV equivalent of Big Bang Theory, which is great for a lot of people, and I know that. This is the same reason I can't actually watch Shit's Creek because I suspect it's going to be the same as well. Although I know Anthony and everyone else is going to tell me it's not, but. Um, yeah, anything that has that mass market appeal, I feel like there has to be something wrong with it, which is, you know, probably my own hang up. But I also just can't get past it. Like I watch it 
and I do not enjoy it. I just the beats are so predictable. The stuff is so drab. Not that this didn't have moments that had me laugh, uh, like it did, right? Like it had good lines and stuff, like, but it was not worth the trade-offs for me overall. Um, and I will say too, just because I'm looking at the IMDb page, and there's a big banner ad for it. If you want to watch an American fish out of water program in the UK, watch Flack because humans are trash in that, and that's real. <laughs> well so it's interesting to me because i think there's like um i i recognize that instinct as well that um sometimes people are confused by my taste because i'll be like oh yeah watch this thing on the criterion channel and then also watch this dumb superhero thing um and and i do think that there's a specific kind of pretentious person thing where you're really into highbrow and lowbrow things and you hate middlebrow things yes that's right that's Um, fair but then I realized that actually there are certain things, including Ted Lasso, that are kind of more in the middle that I can enjoy, I think, when they're done really well. And and I think part of it that you're talking about is also that's true of Schitt's Creek, and, and I was reading a review that also, I think, suggested this really starts with Parks and Recreation, is the idea of like a comedy show that's really big on uplift and like a comedy mm. show, like a, a sitcom that'll also make you cry. Um, and I am definitely a little bit suspicious of that. But when it's done well, and and there are, you know, I mean, regular listeners of the podcast know that I cry a lot when watching things. Mm-hmm. And Ted Lasso definitely made me tear up a little bit towards the end. Yeah, that's fair, because I don't l- respond well to those, but Jordan, yeah. I haven't gotten to any point in Ted Lasso that has made me cry, but I, I maybe am like, I don't know what word I want to use for this, but like, I, I love Schitt's Creek 1. I like Big Bang Theory, The Office, some of that stuff. And I do like a show that nine episodes in a row will make me laugh out loud and on the 10th episode make me feel something very deeply. Um, And I don't think it's very common for those shows to exist. And they're definitely Mm -hmm. on a spectrum of who does it the best. Like, I really think The Office is an amazing example of a show that uses, like, uncomfortable humor to make you laugh and many people are like sickened by it because that like discomfort comedy gets them in a place that they they don't like and they can't watch it but like moments in the office where um you know jim and pam finally get together or they find out they're pregnant or the wedding episode or you know there's a couple episodes where steve Carell has very touching moments with with the group that are like they really hit home and they only hit home because of the fact that you've been made uncomfortable and laughing right. for nine episodes in a row before this. Um, I don't know that Ted Lasso joins that group of shows for me yet. I've seen five episodes so far. Maybe it will, but I, I have a lot of doubt that it will. But in terms of like sit back catch a line laugh and also i think a lot of it like sports fill in a gap for me like i love watching movies and tv shows that have like some high octane sports and you don't have to sit and watch 90 minutes of a soccer game either like Mm -hmm. not that there's anything wrong with that because i've enjoyed watching the world cup and stuff in the past but there's something nice about a whole soccer game being compressed down into like four minutes and you get to see the the highlights and the story like in this quick concise way um and still feel it all i i think is nice so maybe that like fills in a gap for me that i don't know 
if it'll actually bring me that tearjerker moment. Maybe it will, but I, I doubt yeah. it. I, I mean, the, one other thing I do want to talk about before, I don't think we have to do too much in spoilers either, but um, that reminds me of the fact that actually one thing that was really striking to me about the show is how little of the actual professional soccer football games we see. Um, mm. There's basically a little bit in the middle of the season, and then there's a big game at the end. I don't think that's a spoiler, um, and that you see a lot of. But other than that, it's almost all practice footage. And there's there's even training, one game, training footage, yeah, training, okay. training footage. Um, and there's even one game very specifically where they they you see them go out and you see them come in and that that's it. Um, and I think some of that's budgetary. I mean, I think probably just filling a stadium with a crowd, um, right. like probably just costs a lot of money. But um, I think it actually works like for the show too that it's more about the interpersonal dynamics. And frankly, some for me who doesn't care as much about the football side of it. Uh, I had no problem with that, that like, I understand that like when it's all about the big game, you have to show the big game, but otherwise totally fine that it's all about, you know, how people interact um, outside the games. Yeah, that was good. It, it's a difficult sport to make. I mean, maybe this is a, I enjoy, I really enjoy playing um, football, soccer. Uh, and I really enjoy, um, occasionally I enjoy watching it. Like Jordan said, I don't usually watch you know i don't I'm, I'm not a regular watcher of it but i think it's difficult to make dramatic in the same way that uh especially for american audiences that a lot of american sports are when portrayed on film right like i love the game moments in uh friday night lights for instance but i feel like that wouldn't translate as well this is and again that's another show with, and maybe we can talk about this but like i've heard this compared to friday night lights and then no one should ever put the, have these two in their mouths at the same time because Friday Night Lights is the greatest television show ever made by anyone with the exception of season two, which is garbage. Okay. The um, end. I feel also like part of what upsets Daryl about this type of show, which is like its predictability, like comforts me in a show like this. And I actually feel like Ted Lasso came up short on that front. Like I you know like certain things are going to happen right like he is there to bring the team together a team that is divided and like i have full confidence that that goal will be met or at least like by the end of season one will be well on the road to that and a new problem will arise however like the interpersonal dynamics stuff like you normally know like an episode or two in okay there's a love story brewing and who is it between and it took a long while. I mean, I feel like I just finished the fifth episode like before I went to sleep, and only then was it clear to me where the romance was going to come in to the show. And I felt like it could have gone like 20 different ways based on some conversations and some of the scenes that we had. So like that actually kind of bothered me a little bit. Like you, you kind of want to know like where to root, and you know that they're going to like put a problem in the way. And then right. you know they're going to resolve it. And like that is a level of comfort that I didn't feel in this show yet. Yeah, like the office. Like you said, like it's like you always know the people involved. You just don't know their route to it. And it's exactly. the, yeah. But then this one, I don't, I mean, I have some guesses, but two episodes in, I'm kind of like, I guess maybe there's a romance possibility, but I don't really know. Right. Yeah. Well, 
let's talk a little bit about spoilers because uh, there are a few plot points I, I did want to discuss uh, before we wrap up. Um, so if you have not seen uh, the first season of Ted Lasso, you don't want to be surprised. And, and there are a couple of surprising things that I'm, I do want to talk about. Um, or if you're you like me and you don't now. give a shit about it at all, you can continue listening. To I it. kind of do give a shit. I'm only five episodes in. <laughs> Well, you might we might have you log off before I talk about the ending then, because I do want to okay. talk about the ending. Um, but before we do that, I think one of the things we were dancing around a little bit is so the reason that that Ted um, is in is coaching the team or is the manager of the team is because his wife said that he and his wife have been having trouble, and she said she needed space, and so he took this job in England and. I liked the reveal of that, but I agree that it makes very little sense and seems like a terrible idea. Yeah, like, I'm not... It, my wife of however many years tells me, oh, like, I your constant optimism makes me feel like shit, and I don't feel the same way. Oh, is that the anymore. reason? I mean, yeah, there's a line in a later episode where... Oh, that's that actually fantastic. Up. That makes me like it more, because it's like, no, it's, it's insufferable. Like, how could anyone put up with it? Uh, <laughs> right. And she like, couldn't. But right. but if if I was told that, or for whatever reason, not my constant optimism, because Lord knows I'm never going to get that. <laughs> but like, <laughs> you know, for whatever reason, my life partner says, oh, like, I need space from you, and I'm I'm not no longer happy with you. My plan is not to go to another continent. Like my right. plan is definitely to like be within earshot should those things change and work on living my life within the ecosystem we've already built. And particularly if there's a child in the mix, exactly. That's be the, completely the available to thing. the child because like I think there's two sides to the coin with the kid thing. Like you could say because we have a kid, we have to work extra hard to make our relationship work. You could also go the opposite direction and say, because we have a kid, I have to work particularly hard on being a person who is happy and uh, like happy with their life so that I can be a great parent. But like in either case, I don't leave my kid for m- m- months and months, right? right? Like, so that just seemed really stupid as like, you know, when we talked about needing a second layer as to why he would jump into this weird ass situation, like that was a terrible one for me. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like it wasn't even, it was more that it, it just seemed very, or actually I, I agree. It just, I didn't, as long as I didn't think about it too much or, or I just sort of accepted it as sort of the setup, um, it didn't bother me too much, but it was sort of thin. Um, and in the same way that there's this sort of inherent, ridiculousness about the fact that she offered him the job. I mean, I think her reasons make a lot more emotional sense because she she's just like my ex-husband loved this team and I'm going to like bury it and destroy oh, it. Oh yeah. I don't I don't have qualms with her motivation. I think she's right. fine. Yeah. But the fact and like everyone is uh appropriately skeptical and like what the fuck are you doing? Um but there's still something inherently ridiculous just about the fundamental situation um, and, and sort of heightened and silly about the idea of this American football coach uh, coaching a, a football team. Um, so, like, it, it's just sort of like there are things where I felt like I was just like, all right, that's the setup and I'm going to go with it. But they don't really hold up to scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the problems... So I think on her side of it, there's... I, and again, maybe they evolved this, but like at first I was kind of like annoyed that they just 
seemed to paint her as like a typical woman scorned, like going about it in this really, you know, petty way. But on the other hand, I really like that she was just like, I'm rich. I don't give a shit about this dumb thing you care about. I'm going to burn it to the ground. And I also don't give a shit about all these people involved who are dumb boys who playing their dumb sports like that i liked and maybe that's too much headcanon because it's like okay maybe that you're revealing your overall attitude towards professional sports but it was that i liked but i was also at the same time when they had scenes like her in the press conferences and and them kind of like throwing out the infidelities and and her getting like seething with her age i was like i don't like this at all this is making me mad so there was both of those things, right? But it no. feels like her character has more of an arc than Ted's so far. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, it. it, it what does happen is the divorce ends up being a, a much bigger thing in the, or rather, the relation. I mean, it, I think you just saw the Jordan. You saw the episode where his wife and son come to visit, um, and and that sort of leads into divorce discussions, and so that that's sort of the the arc. But like in terms of his relationship with the team, there it's there's an element of like he wants to do well and is a good coach and then the team slowly comes around to that so it's not really his arc it's like the team's arc mm-hmm. i really yeah, like, the I, owner like he character. seems static i thought that's so what we were talking about yeah that's what i was yeah yeah that's about. what i'm saying yeah she oh, okay. and she has an arc too where she comes around to him um well and she also comes around to just like feeling things for anyone right like we really yes. start with a very hard candy coating and we get to the milk chocolate center. Right. Yeah. She only cares about the cakes and not her, her nerd, her nerdy assistant. And yeah, the biscuits. That's right. Which he's cake cooking himself, which I saw that. And I was like, yeah, you <laughs> hated it. And I loved it. That's yeah. so <laughs> I liked it, but I was like, there's no way the first ones were good. Yeah. But I did want to try them. I was very, I was like, Oh, I could go for some good, cakes that are plain looking but are probably dense i don't know what they looked like shortbready it looked yeah. really yummy yeah yeah uh well i do want to talk a little bit about the ending jordan do you want to not no, be it's okay let's the just end? do it okay so <laughs> at the end um at this point rebecca the owner has uh basically decides that she likes ted and that she feels bad about all the different ways she sabotaged him because it's not just that she hired him but she like traded away their best player um, you know, oh, wait, had she a, traded Jamie? At the end of episode five, I think. Or maybe, mm. epi- no, episode six, she traded Jamie away. Um, okay. And uh, uh, had paparazzi take photos of Ted right. with Jamie's girlfriend to try to drive a wedge between them. Uh, but partly because of, like, um, pressure from other people who know who figured it out, including, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Gilly? Uh, yeah, Keely. Um figures it out and basically says, you have to tell Ted or I will. And and so Rebecca goes to Ted and tells him the truth. Um, and it is this scene where it like plays, you know, a lot of it, it plays on his face and he's just like, doesn't seem to have much of an expression. Um, and then he just like gets up and says, I forgive you and shakes her and like, uh, and they hug. Um, and it like was not because you're expecting that okay there's going to be a wedge between them for this penultimate episode and then they'll make up right before the final game or during the final game but it was one of those sort of counterintuitive choices that just made that once it happened i was like oh yeah that's that is how he would respond i think he would just that's definitely he doesn't seem like a grudge holder at any point in anything i've seen right? right and that he basically is like listen i 
divorce makes you do crazy things. I'm here coaching a football team, even though I know nothing about football. It's fine. And, um, and so then they go into this match with Manchester City, which is the team that Jamie was transferred to. Um, it's actually, it's a slightly more complicated thing because apparently he was always sort of, his contract was always owned by Manchester City. And then when uh, Ted started benching him as a way to try to make him more of a team player, they like exercise their contract and bring him back. Um, but there's like a final game. It's the final game of the season. And what's at stake is the fact that if they lose the game, um, uh, Richmond, which is Ted's team, um, they'll be relegated, which means knocked down to the division below. Mm. Um, and you're set up to expect that it'll be, I mean, he's actually been pushing for a win, although you find out that even a tie would allow them to avoid relegation. Mm. And like you expect that they're going to pull something out at the last minute, sort of classic um, sports movie. Right. And they do. They actually they pull something called the, the Ted Lasso special, which is a, a they basically do a foot like an American football play. And the, the you know Manchester has no idea how to respond to it. They score a goal, bringing it to one one. And it looks like it's going to be a tie. They're not going to be relegated. But then at the very last second, Manchester scores one more goal and they lose the game and they are relegated. Good. And that's basically the end of the season. Wow. And I, again, it was like one of those things that I was not expecting and it totally worked for me because like it just felt right that like they shouldn't have like this victory at the end, but rather it's like, okay, like you're going to have to like kind of crawl your way back in future seasons. And, mm-hmm. um, and Ted thinks he's going to be fired, but she decided, but she says, no, nope, we're going to, we're going to just Stick keep working it. on this. And that's basically the end of the first season. So that's interesting. Maybe it'll set up a good arc, a three season arc where they just continue to fail and he and he spirals. <laughs> that would That's be true. What if he, he does? If the show ends with him finally being fired. It becomes Breaking Bad, but like Breaking Lasso, and he, at the end, he's just like a destitute person. Wow. God forbid someone just be like wholesome and optimistic and try to bring joy to the world, right? They can Fuck do that. Guy. That's what. Uh, let's go watch Adventure Time. Adventure Time. I think great, that's though. what I do. Right? Like, wouldn't you describe me that way? That you are the joy joy bringer? bringer. Yeah, like a joy bringer. I think so, yeah. Just sunshine. Always optimistic. Like, never really complains. Yeah, that seems... Quick to forgive. Oh, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. 100% correct. (laughs) Thanks, gentlemen. Annual reviews next week. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I like Ted Lasso. Uh, it's not like the most amazing show on earth, but if you want to see um, an inspirational sports comedy executed well, uh, I think you could do a lot worse. Yeah. At a time when the co- content, I will say, at a time when content has been abundant, but also our time to consume content has also been abundant, it's, it's not a bad one to have in the back pocket. And, you know, it made me laugh. It's easy viewing. Yeah. You should go read a book or learn a language instead of consuming this trash. So. I'm learning a language. You can learn a language and watch Ted Lasso. So. <laughs> he wouldn't. Ted, Ted Lasso wouldn't bother because he's a fucking asshole. So. Wow. He's picking up British English over time. Uh, okay. On that note, um, 
<laughs> you can, uh, and, and because, again, we are no, no longer going to be on TechCrunch. So if you enjoy original content, and I really hope you do, uh, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on pretty much any other podcast app. You can also follow us on Twitter at Original Content. Um, we're going to have a web presence and an email address and everything, but we're putting all of that in place. So just if you want to you know, keep up with us, just focus on those two. Subscribe and follow on Twitter, and we'll have more information soon. Jordan and Daryl, I'm excited for this next chapter. Yeah. Onward. It's like we're it's like we're moving to England to coach at a football club. With so much optimism that it makes Daryl want to shake us <laughs> by the shoulder.